I do want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22, but we'll not visit it for a few moments. And then I do want to talk to you about a subject that is very important. It's very important for every, every believer. You that are watching online, you that are in the sanctuary with us, pray with me. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for the anointing today. What I need, Lord, is the anointing that comes from you. Not an anointing recognized by man, but an anointing recognized by my Lord and my Savior. Would you pour that anointing out upon your word and upon your servant for these few moments together? And God, may you be glorified in everything that is said and done, and we'll give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen. The Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. It's a challenging subject because it goes against our very human nature. And yet from Scripture, I believe you will come to the realization, if you haven't already, that there's no way to embrace anything but the Lordship of Christ to maintain a relationship with Jesus. Tony Evans stated, it is the absence of lordship that keeps prayers unanswered. That's a powerful thought. Chuck Colson wrote one time a statement so profound many years ago. He said, the greatest challenge facing the church today is to reassert the lordship of Christ. Watchman Nee stated, a day must come in our lives as definite as the day of our conversion when we give up all right to ourselves and submit to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. These are powerful statements. They're powerful statements because we are trying to be a church and believers in a very pluralistic society that promotes multiple ways to God. These are important, this is an important topic because we are in a humanistic culture that promotes the exaltation of man. Every pastor, every leader ought to preach and teach on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The following is called a religious enigma. I came across it. It says, out of all the church members in America, 10% cannot be found. 20% never attend church. 25% never pray. 30% never read their Bible. 40% never give to the church. 60% never give to missions. 75% never assume a ministry in the church. 85% never attend a midweek service. 95% never have won a person to Christ, and yet 100% thinks they're going to heaven. I mean, that gets close to home, doesn't it? you got to get this in your understanding. It's clearly backed up by the Bible. I'm thankful that Jesus is my Savior. I'm grateful that He has redeemed me and set me free. But He doesn't just want to be your Savior and your Redeemer, and your fire escape policy, and your ticket to heaven. He wants to be 
desires to be, demands to be your Lord and your master. Now, where's them shouting folks I had here a few moments ago? Furthermore, from what I see in the Word of God, if you're not willing for Him to become Lord and Master, you run the risk of sacrificing Him as your Savior. Simply put, you can't keep Him as Savior if you will not embrace Him as Lord. So you ask the question, Pastor, what can you spell out for me what true lordship is? Let me share with you three things today that applies to every one of us that identifies the lordship of Jesus Christ. The first thing I would share with you is that lordship is accepting the sovereignty of God. Accepting the sovereignty of God. I read this week in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2 about a leper. And he came and he worshipped Jesus. That's important. He worshipped Jesus. And this is what he said to Jesus. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 3 says, and Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him and said, I will be thou clean. Now that's a wonderful miracle amongst many in the Gospels. But as wonderful as it is, I want you to notice that the leper acknowledged the sovereignty of God. He said, number one, if you will. If you will. He said, you are Lord. So he calls him Lord, and then he says, if you will. Now that's important, because when Jesus is Lord in your life, it matters little the direction of your path, for you realize and embrace that he holds it all in his hands. He may heal me next week. Praise God, he is sovereign. He may take me to glory next week. Praise God, he is still sovereign. He is sovereign. Sovereign means one who possesses and exercises supreme authority over an individual or group, an acknowledged leader, a controlling influence. He is sovereign today. God is the owner, and he's in control of everything. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mirror Christianity, wrote, In God we come up against someone who is immeasurably superior to yourself. And unless you know God as that and know yourself as nothing in comparison, you really do not know God at all. In Psalms chapter 50 and verse 12, God wrote these words and said, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. In Psalms 24 and 1, starts out the psalm by saying, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's His world. It's His kingdom. All other kingdoms are shakable. All other kingdoms can be compromised. If you look at the kingdom of communism. It's shakable. It has to be held together by force or it will fall apart. There are some people that are wrapped up in the kingdom of 
capitalism and they base their life on what is happening with the fluctuation of the stock market. People have ulcers and high blood pressure because they're constantly worried about what's happening in the stock market because they're wrapped up in the kingdom of capitalism and that is a shakable kingdom. You become extremely vulnerable when you're wrapped up in that kingdom. Can I tell you the kingdom of self is shakable because at some point if you center yourself on yourself, at some point you yourself will crumble and fall to pieces and you will have no way of escape. Kingdom of health is also unshakable. Many people spend millions of dollars every year to try to enhance this temple of a body. There are supposed remedies out there luring us into everything we can to hold this precious life together. But in the end, the grim reaper finds every one of us can I tell you the kingdom of God is the only unshakable kingdom all these other kingdoms are going to fall apart when Jesus was born the word was given you shall have a son his name shall be Jesus and of his kingdom there shall be no end revelation says that in the end the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ when we understand the lordship of Christ we realize he is in charge and we are at his ever becking call. That's what lordship is. His kingdom is for eternity. And you and I will never settle anything in our spirit until we come to that realization that he is the sovereign God of everything. The second thing about lordship is not just understanding that he's sovereign, but understanding that he's in charge of every area of your personal life. He's not just in charge of the world, but he's also in charge of the fullness thereof. He's in charge of everything that goes on. And he is a gentleman enough to knock at your door for you to allow him in, not just to save you from your sins, but so that he can take over every compartment of your existence. Matthew 22, look there with me, beginning at verse 36. It says, this young lawyer is asking the question, which is the greatest commandment in the law, Master? Jesus said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, so you got to understand, there's 613 laws in that day. The multitude of them were man-made laws. Only a handful of them were God's laws. If you break it down, 40% of the laws were positive, and 60% of the laws were negative. And so this young lawyer is trying to trick Jesus And he gets the tables turned on him when Jesus gives him the very first verse that every Jewish child learns. Every Jewish child learns this verse first. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. First of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 says you shall have no other gods before me. So when you understand the lordship of Jesus, you embrace that he is in charge of you and you are not in charge of yourself. 
mind, soul, body, spirit. He's in charge of every single compartment of your existence. You don't give him the key ring and then hold a key back for yourself. You allow him to have it all. Well, pastor, I have determined that I will let him have my marriage and my family and the church, but not my body. Or pastor, he can have my vocation and my education, but not my finances. Come on, somebody say amen or oh me. Or pastor, I will give him my words and my deeds, but I reserve the right to keep some of my thoughts for myself. (laughs) Any of that applies to you? He's not Lord of your life. See, he says, if you don't trust me in all, then you don't trust me at all. If you don't trust me in everything, every compartment, if I'm not the Lord of every area of your life, then I'm not the Lord of any area of your life. Famous scripture. It's one of probably in the top ten of the most well-known and most rehearsed scriptures found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It's a favorite to some of you sitting in this room. You know what it says? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. What I'm afraid is as I look at that, it should be no surprise that that trust and Lord and all your heart are all there. They have to be. Too many today, Lord help me here, too many today are living situational Christianity. You ever heard the term situational ethics? Well, there's too many believers that are living situational Christianity. Their trust in Jesus changes with every mood. Their trust in Jesus is is in place or compromised based upon the set of circumstances. Their trust in the Lord is, is altered or modified or complete based upon the crowd they are at with the moment. It happened to me this week. It's a fight. It's a constant fight. I was telling Tony and Judy before service, as much as I rejoiced in my wife's healing, and it was great. It was wonderful. I went on a prayer walk Thursday afternoon. I lifted my hands, and I worshiped the Lord, and I praised God for the miraculous healing that took place. But how many of you know when, when God performs a miracle, the enemy is not there too far away to try to steal it away? And so on the next two days after that, things were irritating me. They were just, people were irritating me. Two days in a row, two afternoons in a row, I come home and my wife and my mother-in-law have to listen to me rant and rave. And finally I looked at Sandra yesterday and she just looked back at me and she said, Don't you know it's the devil? I'm not the only one that happens to. Something great happens in your life. A miracle takes place. A a financial provision. Something wonderful. And then somebody comes along. Unknowingly or knowingly. And they're on divine assignment to pluck your last nerve. And the victory that you just reveled in all of a sudden has been compromised. 
I got down this morning, Sister Debbie, before I ever took this pulpit, and I said, Lord, you got to help me. I've got to learn to live victoriously and consistently every moment of every day. I've got to identify the devices of the enemy. I've got to understand the carnality of people, and I've got to trust in you every day with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And then I can live in the victory God wants me to live in. When you hold the tiniest closet of your life to yourself, you compromise his lordship in your life. The last time I checked, when a person becomes a citizen of a country, of a new country, part of their swearing-in ceremony is that they have renounced the country that they left. When I became a Christian, I joined the kingdom of God, which means I had to renounce the kingdoms in my past. Well, pastor, we get all that. We understand what you're saying. Now, why is it that statistics prove that as time has moved along, there has generally become very little difference between those who go to church and those who do not. Why is it that there is more interest in religion and yet more growing immoral behavior in the body of Christ? Smile. So true. In a former church, never forget as long as I live. 22-year-old girl sat across from my wife and I. She had been in immorality and she had sung on my praise team. And I'll never forget this. She looked at me and I said, you can't be sleeping around and singing on the stage. You thought it was common sense. I'll never forget this. She looked at me, and she said, when I'm not in that church, my life is none of your business. And I said, well, I beg to differ. But that's the culture we find ourselves in. If we're not careful, we'll come in and do our Sunday duty and then leave and act like a chameleon in the world the rest of the week. When God wants us to be marked as a believer, I'm, I'm still talking about calling Jesus Lord. See, not everyone that calls him Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's his words, not mine. Savior is entry level in the relationship. Lordship is your active goal. Mm. When I get to heaven, the words I want to hear him say is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many. Watch this. Enter thou into the joys of the Savior. 
Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Y'all out there? Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. So lordship is accepting the sovereignty of God. Lordship is putting him in charge of every area of our life. The third thing I would share with you is that lordship is accepting responsibility and accountability. We give him the right to to call us out. We give him the right to convict us. We give him the right to, to, to say, yeah, you need to tighten up. That's the Holy Spirit working in us. In Matthew 25, you find a familiar parable of the owner. He went on a journey. He gave his three servants some talents. He said, watch over these while I'm gone. <laughs> the one who had five talents went and invested and got five more talents. The one that had two talents went and invested and got two more talents. And then there was the one that was given one talent. And what did he do? He went and dug a hole and buried it. So the owner returned. And he commended the first two, but he was, man, he was upset with the third servant. He called him wicked and unprofitable. <laughs> if he will be Lord, then you and I have an understanding that there is responsibility and there is accountability. And the talents that he gives to us, he expects us to produce with them. He never wants back from us what he gave us in the same amount. Man, that's good preaching. What he gives to us in the beginning, he expects us to wisely invest with returns for him. I wish Jesus would come back today. I really do. If he came back today, it would just, you thought last week was great, this week would be, be even greater. Sister Lucy, he could just come today. It'd be all right, wouldn't it? Just, just come on, Lord. I'm looking forward to his return. But as I am looking forward to his return, when he returns for us, he expects we will have returns for him. That's worth writing down. When he returns for us, he expects we will have returns for him. When you embrace the lordship of Jesus, you take your relationship with Christ to a new place. You're no longer a consumer. You become a contributor. Well, you're not aware of the needs in my life, my marriage, and my family, and that's why I have to be such a consumer. Well, the Bible hasn't changed. It's still more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I would to God that somebody leaves out of this place and says, you know what, I'm no longer going to be sitting on my hands. I'm going to invest my gifts, talents, and abilities, and I will see provision come because I'm obedient to the Lord, not as I consume, but as I contribute. Can I just be pastoral for a minute? There is no reason why there shouldn't be 30 voices, 40 voices up here on this stage singing every Sunday in a choir. The talent is out there. 
You're just sitting on your hands. Love the pastor here. I'm the same guy you loved last week. I haven't changed. There's no reason this state shouldn't be packed with singers lifting up and glorifying the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's like the man who went to church one Sunday and the pastor was preaching on this lordship thing and the man was convicted. And he prayed, Lord, use me, Lord, use me, Lord, use me. And then realized what he said. He said, what I really mean, Lord, is use me and, and you serve in an advisory capacity. Advise me, Jesus, and if I feel good about it, I'll do it for you. I, I, I want to be partners with you, God, as long as I have 51% control. God will never agree to that. He won't. Now, I'm going to offend someone here, so I'm just going to tell you. I've been blessed to be here four years. And I know that many of you have been here much longer than that. Many of you have been here just a few months. But I want you to hear this. I'm convinced that too many of us are educated beyond our obedience. Why don't you let that sink in? What do you mean? Too many of us have heard and heard and you've learned and you learned and some of us sit here as spiritual fat cats gorging ourselves on life-changing truth and yet with all of our education and biblical knowledge, we're still disobedient. We're not burning any spiritual calories. Last time I checked, I can take you to it. James said, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Doers of the word. When you become a doer of the word, you're submitting to the lordship of Christ. You're saying, God, I just don't want to just take it in. I just don't want to be nurtured every week. Man, I want to burn some of these calories. I want to use some of these gifts. I want to exercise these abilities that you've given to me for the glory of your name. <laughs> oh, mercy. Truth be told, your pastor could stand in the pulpit for the next three, four, five, six months. And just what, what would happen if I just walked up here one Sunday and, and I just said, good to have you here. Do what you know. Well, that's not a sermon. That's a sermon some of you need to hear. We are educated beyond our obedience. God's done, he's given us so much. You cannot call him Lord on Sunday and then not be the salt of the gospel Monday through Wednesday. You cannot call him Lord on Sunday and then not be the light in a dark world on Thursday through Saturday. If he's Lord, he's Lord. 
He's Lord over everything. People know it. They know it through every, every area of your life. He's Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. And what does that mean to you personally? What does that mean to me as a believer? Come on, Tony, if you would. Give me that that B and flatten it out. Come on, Tony. Was that message received by the body? How about it, friend? If you're here and you've never even accepted him as Savior, this, man, the invitation is for you. He wants to save you from your sins. But I know believers are in the room. I know believers are watching online. And maybe this seems like, man, that was, that was really confrontational. That was really hard. But is he sovereign over every, every area? Do you embrace the responsibility, the accountability to him? Even as you sit here, Holy Spirit may speak to you about, man, something that you kind of let go that you used to do faithfully for the Lord. There was a time you used to pray more. There was a time you used to give more. There was a time you used to sing more. There was a time that you used to witness more. There was a time that you used to love more and outreach more and show more compassion maybe the cares of life, maybe the hurts of life have gotten in the way. But today, the, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, has brought you to a place of confrontation. I can tell you I'm educated beyond my obedience. I promise you that. There's much more that I could be doing. I pray often, say, Lord, I want to be poured out as a drink offering for you. When he becomes Lord in your life, you really kind of, you kind of get that insatiable desire, hunger, and thirst to spend more time with him and to do more for him. It just, it should grow. It should grow. I never read where he 
tells us to give him eight hours a day and we keep 16 for ourselves. I've never read where he says, you know, you take an hour for your own life and give me the other 23. Now what I read is he says, if you will be my disciple, you will deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. it came to my spirit this week a lot of you may not even remember it it's just a little repetitious course but so it's easy to learn but I want it to be our prayer today I think I'm in B flat am I Jesus be the Lord of all Jesus be the Lord of all, Jesus be the Lord of all, the kingdoms of my heart. Go up a key, Tony, would you? Jesus, I surrender all, Jesus, I surrender all Jesus I surrender all the kingdoms of my heart I'm going to sing this again if this is your prayer if this is really your prayer I want you to stand with your hands raised as we sing it and sing it with me as your prayer you ready? Oh, Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus, be the Lord of all. The kingdoms of my heart, I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all Jesus I surrender all Jesus I surrender all the kingdoms of my heart sing that part again Jesus I surrender surrender all Jesus I surrender all the kingdoms of my heart I surrender all I surrender come on make it a prayer this morning Them up to the Lord. Those hands that praised Him earlier, make them surrender hands now. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender. 
blessed Savior. Oh, we got to do it one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's surrendering some compartments of their life today. I surrender. Thank you, Holy Spirit.